Ever wondered what it would look like if you brought together a group of industry professionals who were deeply dedicated to continued learning and relationship building? That sounds awesome. But what if you added in tasty meals and delicious beer too? Now we're talking. And just because we're dreaming big here, what if it was multiple days so you really got a chance to get to know everyone and enjoy yourself? Well now, that's starting to sound like CBP Connects. Join us in Charleston, South Carolina, this December 4th through 6th to experience it yourself. Learn more and register at cbpconnects.com. Cheers! Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. You have found us at Leveling Up Systems of Internal Accountability. Uh, Big thanks to Andrew and the Craft Beer Professionals team. Um, It's always fun to be here. And today, thanks also to Encompass Technologies for sponsoring our whole day today for all of the presentations that you see today. Um, I'm Laura Lodge with Startup Brewery. It's a pleasure to be here, and I really appreciate the support that Startup Brewery's had from so many within our industry, including the panelists that you see here today. So I'm going to do a little bit of setting the stage, and then we'll jump right in. Um, Kind of the philosophy behind this was to address the fact that Small businesses are strapped for time, people, and finances always, and rarely have the perceived luxury of thinking through the best practices, putting them into place, and creating a structure of accountability around them. So in the past, it's been more possible to just wing it. I think our industry has had that luxury for a long time. But in today's post-pandemic economy of increased costs, labor shortages, and general uncertainty, it's time to level up to that next degree of professional across the board in all areas of your business. So today we bring together veterans from the craft beer world and key areas of your brewing business to offer insight into some of the best practices that you can put into place and discuss benefits of systematically creating a culture of internal systems and accountability. Our team today includes Mary Bretman of Beverage Business Builders, Ethan Sai, PhD, Brewery Operations Consultant, Nancy Trigg of Trigg Performance Collective, and John Hyman of Wickens Herzer Panza. So I'm going to ask each of our panelists if they would introduce themselves um, and include their thoughts about what impact can implementing systems have in your area of specialty. Ethan, you're first on my Brady Bunch. Would you start us out? Sure. Um, my name is Ethan Tsai. I participated in managing a couple of reasonably sized breweries, I guess you could say. The last brewery that I helped operate was Cigar City in Tampa. Um, Implementing implementing systems in in the operations part of running a brewery is phenomenally critical. Uh, It it can make or break your beer, your product. Um, As a consequence, it it can make make or break uh, your brand, really. But I think that everybody here and the disciplines, I guess, we represent, you know, in managing a brewery would say the same thing. There are so many different things that are interdependent you know, on each other that uh, leveling your system up as it were, operationally or all aspects of operation is going to be really important. Excellent. Nancy? You're muted, my friend. Sorry, my dogs are barking and I didn't want you all to hear that. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm Nancy Trigg. I've been in the brewing industry for about six and a half years. 
Um, I specialize in um, business advising, primarily on the brewing side for front of house. Um, And when you talk about systems um, in the front of house, to me, it's really about, it's about data. It's about having the information that you need um, to make wise decisions, whether that comes to staffing or what to put on your menu or what hours to be open, things like that. Um, putting the right systems in the play, in place to give you the data you need to make smart decisions is is where I'll probably focus most of this chat today. Gotcha. Mary, you're next on my squares. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Mary Bretman from Beverage Business Builders. I've been in the brewing industry about 12, 13 years. And so I was there when when things were starting up. I, I, I've had my own practice for about 10 years now. I'm kind of an odd duck because I don't fish for you. I teach you to fish. And so my area of expertise is accounting and accounting systems. And so you can't have an accounting system without processes. So um, I'm all about standardization and I'm all about getting people on the same page. Excellent. John, finish us up here. Sounds good. Uh, good afternoon. I'm John Hyman. I uh, am a lawyer, but please don't hold that against me. Um, I am uh, a shareholder at Wiccan's Herzer Panza, located just outside of Cleveland, Ohio, and chair both our craft beer and employment and labor practice groups. And, you know, as, as the lawyer on the panel, like I live in a world of compliance um, and risk prevention, risk management. And I guess, I mean, my nightmare is... Uh, which I'm actually living for a client right now is where they come to me when there were no systems in place and they're being audited, they're being sued. Um, and now they want me to, to dig them out and fix their problem for them. Um, and without the systems in place up front, oftentimes it's impossible, um, uh, nearly impossible. I won't say impossible because I can be a magician, but nearly impossible to do. Um, and so, you know, in my world, um, systems are everything. If it's recording time so people can get paid properly, if it's having a way for people to report um, when they're being mistreated in the workplace so we can remedy and correct and investigate harassment and discrimination, if it's trademark filings uh, so we know when you know IP rights need to be renewed, um, if it's um, you know, uh, accounting so we can make appropriate, you know, tax and other filings with regulatory bodies. Um, you know, everything I deal with for my clients um, has a system behind it. And if it doesn't, you're talking to me about how to fix that after it's too late. And that is a much more expensive proposition for businesses. Indeed. Indeed. All right, Mary, let's let's start kind of at the root of things. Even in savvy organizations, lack of consistency and accountability can create challenges. What have you seen? Tell us some stories in your work with breweries that tells you there's room for improvement. That's a really broad question. Um, I think it comes down to what the owners understand and what they're comfortable with. So if they if they're understand that a brewery is a is a manufacturing facility. Yes, we have a tap room and that that's the hospitality side. But really in order to understand the systems, you need to have a kind a manufacturing background because everybody's going to turn to you and they're going to say what's the cost of beer and you're going to shrug your shoulders saying I don't know. The only way that you're going to absolutely know what the cost of beer is is to have systems in order to track things. I often tell people that there is a virtual world and there is a physical world and in order 
order to measure the physical world, you have to have the virtual world in balance. A lot of times when people get started, um, they have they have a business plan that that is true um and the first six months or so it's all about getting people in the door and marketing and so on and so forth about a year that nagging question of how much does beer cost me gets to be a louder and louder question until they come and see me um typically once you get to three four thousand barrel then i think it's super important to have an inventory control software and then it kind of goes from there gotcha Totally makes sense. Um, John, you mentioned some things in your intro about like for the business as a whole and for individual employees, uh, maybe further on the individual employees, where do you see the pitfalls and trouble areas surface the most often? It's in and the two areas I mentioned in, in, in the intro, it's either in time and attendance tracking. So people get paid properly um, or it's in, you know, a failure of systems in reporting harassment and other areas of misconduct in the workplace. I mean, those are the two biggest areas where I see the biggest pitfalls. Um, I think just to piggyback off something, kind of a theme I heard running through what Mary said is, um, you know, for a lot of people that, that get into our industry, they get into it because they started it, you know, they started brewing as a, you know, home brewing as a hobby, and then it became a business for them, but they don't always treat it like the business that it is and particular don't understand um, fully what it means to now turn a hobby into a business and particularly a business in a highly regulated industry like ours. And so, you know, on the employment side, things as making sure you have, you know, timekeeping and time recording systems in place. So people know how many hours they're working on the, on the tap room side, uh, making sure you have an appropriate way to, to track and account for tips um, so that people are paid their tipped wages properly, um, you know, making sure that people have a way to multiple ways to report misconduct in the workplace, whether it's sexual harassment or any other kind of workplace misconduct to bring it to management, to bring it to management's attention, um, excuse me, are all um, important systems to have and key failures that can really open up the business owner, the brewery owner for significant um, and expensive um, liability. Gotcha. Ethan, how does this apply to beer? How can a lack of systems and structure actually affect your beer? Um, that That's a really, really loaded question. <laughs> Take it um, on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from a really basic level, you know, beer is a very glorified experiment, right? There's so many different parameters that affect the actual liquid that you consume, right? Um, if you do not have appropriate systems uh, in place, so everything from just, you know, mental discipline and a disciplined approach to how you brew the beer, a disciplined approach to how you set up your infrastructure to be able to brew the beer, how you approach all of your workflow, then th those are all aspects to the actual brewing process as far as systems example are concerned that need to have a lot of discipline and rigor in terms of its application otherwise you may get that gold medal at GABF and then never get it again for the same beer because you just can't do it again and without a way to have that type of tracking of what you're doing tracking of all the results tracking of infeed and inputs you know that it, there's a lot that can go wrong you know certainly from what John was saying from a regulatory standpoint 
you know, should you get audited by the FDA, right? You have to have all of that tracking and tracing and having all that paperwork in place is a sustained level of discipline as far as implementation of, of your systems that you have to have in place to be able to deal with anything, any aspect of yourself that you're creating. It just popped into my head that you're um, like, I don't, it's not first aid kit, but your stations for health and safety and inventory and uh, cleanliness are all applying there too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot to be said uh, about the different types of systems that you could be putting into place for different aspects of how you brew your beer. But if you, if you want to think about it, you know, at a more personalized level, certainly if, you know, Laura, I were to ask you, if you want to change your life and be more active and eat well and be, you know, a little bit more fit or, or improve your health, then no one is going to tell you, oh, that's fine. Just record whether you ate a fruit or if you ate a you know, salad. You don't have to go down the road to documenting every sign, you know, taxonomic name of the thing you ate. But at some point you have to start tracking and thinking about what is it that I'm eating? What is the actual stuff and how much you know, am I putting in there? And then during the course of your day, yes, you don't have to actually say, you know, I spent 15 minutes, 16 seconds on this very small thing, but, you know, saying that you, you walked around the block, you know, twice, that's pretty good. You can dive deeper and deeper in terms of those systems. And certainly from, for example, a regulatory standpoint, an accounting standpoint, you know, training standpoint for your front of house, you know, uh, for compliance purposes. Yeah. These are all things and, and, and systems that are necessary when it comes to the actual product itself, you know, because of how chaotic beer can be as an actual liquid medium that we consume as a beverage, you know, controlling all those the facets of, of that experience of drinking beer and having it be consistent time and again, uh, if you don't have systems to track and trace that, then I, I don't know how to help you. You're going to be my new fitness coach. And if you saw the size of my block, you would be in, in much respect, <laughs> which is awesome. Thank you. Nancy, where do you see this in the front of the house and what strategies do you recommend around pulling up the bootstraps of the whole team? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously the systems, <clears throat> excuse me, that are most frequently running the tap room are going to be your point of sale system. Um, you know, a lot of folks get somewhat, misguided guidance early when they're starting a tap room and they're told things like, Oh, just get the cheapest credit card processing. You can, that's going to matter the most. And what matters the most is actually having systems in place that allow you to one, create the service you want to create <clears throat> and two, give you the information back about what's actually happening in your establishment. Because when you start, when you really get going, you might be really successful, but if you don't know why you're, you're successful, if you don't know what's making things really um, sort of churn in your tap room, then you're actually going to struggle when things slow down. If you understand that, you know, I have certain products that sell more um, different times of year and you can see that in your data, or if you understand that there's certain staff members that are performing better, that are able to sell more product. Um, you can then scale that up by using those people to help train, by making sure you've always got the product that sells the most, things like that. So it really comes down to having, an, <clears throat> excuse me, having systems in place that give you the information back um, on a regular basis that you need. It's also important to actually set 
those measures. So having a bunch of data is great, um, but it's actually worthless if you're not looking at it. So deciding what are the things that we're going to measure, right? Average tab size, um, labor to sales costs. So, you know, how much are we spending compared to how much we're selling? Those sorts of details. Um, and then there's other places where having systems can actually expand your business, right? There's not everyone has an e-commerce system, but maybe if you did, maybe if you looked into something like e-commerce, um, you could be selling product even on days when you're closed, right? Or you could be selling more product if your area or in your state laws allow delivery, right? There's a lot of different options there. Um, similarly, there's systems you could put in place like QR codes. There's a lot of those in the market right now that allow guests to self-serve when you're busy. Um, I'm just going to give you my one little my one little opinion here. I try to stay away from those, but I don't like QR codes as your only method of ordering, right? I think that actually um, eliminates a certain percentage of your, your guests. It's, it's not accessible to everyone. Not everyone wants to order that way. So I actually would never recommend you only having QR codes, but that is a way to perhaps supplement um, your ordering system that's using technology to grow. Um, there's a lot of people struggling right now with knowing how to advertise, right? There's, um, you know, Facebook and social media and things like that. But now you're just one of a hundred. Um, maybe you should consider things like having an app for your establishment that gives you the ability to regularly communicate with your guests um, or collecting email lists and have a regular newsletter where you're communicating. There's just a lot of ways you can use systems built to manage what you're currently doing and to give yourself options for continuing your reach as you grow. That makes sense. I think it's interesting to see how things adapted for the pandemic and then how they're kind of adapting back. Um, mm -hmm. So in, in your opinion, are we back mostly to a place of, of wanting to have more engagement with between staff and customer? Absolutely, absolutely. Honestly, I don't think we ever lost it. I think um, when people started running back to breweries right after the pandemic, they were there because they wanted that personal experience. They wanted that engagement. Um, again, I think technology can be used to supplement. Um, if you're a very busy place where you simply can't get to everyone and you want to give them an option for getting that service, but people don't go out anymore to order themselves from their phone. That's just not that's just not what we're seeing in the industry anymore. I think people want an experience, which is why they're in your establishment to begin with. That makes sense. So when you're talking about um, kind of pulling up those systems and getting the whole staff to engage in new systems or be consistent about that accountability, what do you see that works well with that? How would you, how would you counsel somebody to put systems in place that have been lacking? Um, I mean, I think it's really important to decide, again, I mentioned this earlier, what it is you're going to measure and then make sure everyone knows that's what you're managing, right? If you're the, if you're the owner and your staff knows that you're looking at um, average sale of to-go beer per, um, per employee, those employees are going to sell more to-go beer because they know you're looking at it, right? So just mm -hmm. making sure that everybody knows, like, these are the KPIs, right? That's a common term being used in the industry right now. Or what are the tangible things that you're looking at regularly that you're expecting to see growth on? Um, that also makes it really easy when you want to flag something and say, hey, I'm really seeing a downturn in X. Um, 
if they know, if they've known all along that these are things that you're looking at and that the organization's being measured on, then they know how to react when something changes. Um, this is also very common as well, like when you're looking at your product. Um, I'm sure this is something Ethan deals with a lot, Mary too, I'm sure, is knowing like, well, this was our bestseller forever. And now all of a sudden it's not, right? And knowing exactly when that stopped being the thing that was selling will help you understand why so that you can react appropriately. I've also seen some things like staff competitions or rewards for consistency and reporting or doing all of the list, the things on the list of cleaning reliably, like just a reward for that continual systematic performance. Um, yeah, but com competition's incredibly motivating, um, even if it's just fun competition, right? Even mm -hmm. if you're giving away a $15 pair of baseball tickets to somebody who, you know, cleans the bathrooms the fastest, I don't know, whatever the thing is, people like that, They're, they have fun with that, um, that sort of friendly competition goes a long way. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Um, Ethan, in the podcast, um, you had mentioned the 5S methodology. We did a podcast that's very similar to our theme today. Um, and, and so would you explain this approach and, and talk specifically how this can help the brewing team and ultimately the beer? I thought this was fascinating. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, 5S, depending on who you talk to, you know, it might be called like 6S at this point. Uh, but uh, 5S really is, is you know, first and foremost, you know, you could consider it a methodology or an approach. Uh, I like to think of it as really just a mindset. Um, it's a cornerstone for what builds towards uh, in, in manufacturing operations, what we consider good manufacturing practices. Um, it's, it's phenomenally helpful. I'm sure John can sing the praises of 5S as applied to visual control or regulatory compliance and things like that. Basically, 5S just simply says that, you know, the 5Ss are basically sort, set in order, shine, standardize, sustain. The sixth S, you know, particularly when it comes to workplace safety is just safety. Uh, the idea of it, right, the, the mindset and the reason why it's mostly a methodology is it gives you a, a way of framing how you want to operate uh, as an individual or as a total workplace, right? In terms of a holistic approach to what you're doing. And this is incredibly important because if you can put yourself into that mindset, it helps to capture, right? And it helps to, to illuminate where, uh, you know, where Nancy had said, you know, having data gives you something to be actionable about. You know, 5S uh, gives you, you know, a way of standardizing and codifying a rigorous approach to be able to do that. Okay, so, you know, the first one being, you know, first S being sort, that just simply means figure out what you're keeping and what you're not keeping. Right? A, lot of home, a lot of people who are starting up in a brewery oftentimes will just simply say, oh, well, I need to keep this thing because I might need it later. And the reality of the situation is, okay, I understand that that was a $5,000 gearbox, but if you decide to just hold on to it because you think that you can replace a $5,000 gearbox with this backup that you have, right? That's not necessarily going to be the case even two years from now when you upgrade your system and suddenly now you've been storing that $5,000 gearbox that you might've flipped two years ago for something else that you could have used for assets, right? So you sort what you have and throw out the stuff you don't need and you keep the stuff that you do need. And you really sit down and think about, right? This is not like Marie Kondo stuff where it brings you joy. This is literally, what is the stuff I have to have to run my, my brewery? Right? And it has to be the right stuff. 
uh, and once you have those, then you you set you set them in place, right? You know, uh, there's a place for everything and everything in its place. That's what it means to set things in order. When you, when you have a screwdriver, right? Yes, we have to have a screwdriver, but there needs to be a place, a standardized place for where that screwdriver lives. And if it's not there, that means that something's wrong because either someone's using it or someone has lost it. Right? It has a home; it should always go back to its home, right? No, nothing in the brewery is too good for its home. Yeah, uh, you know the the third S shining, clean everything, clean everything constantly, right? We like to joke that ninety percent of any brewer's job is janitorial. It's true, clean everything. Uh, I don't even want to get into <laughs> beer spoiler organisms, but cl cleanliness is is king. But if you're cleaning constantly, that means you're also looking at things constantly, and if you're always looking at things constantly, you will notice when something is wrong. Right, and when you know it's wrong, then you 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 wave your hands, you you bring it up, right? Particularly when it comes to things like infrastructural elements. If you're constantly cleaning the mash tun, right, and you see that the gearbox constantly has water in it, that's not right. Something is wrong. Before that turns into a cascading failure, that's really deeply punishing, right? You can catch it early because you're seeing it all the time, right? And then to standardize, that's the fourth. S, standardize everything. It doesn't have to mean that you have to have like crazy barcodes for everything or QR codes, you know, even, even though I know Nancy doesn't like them, but it, it gives you a chance to, to visually see, right, in a codified way where things are. They're coded for a location, they're coded for a job, for example, right? Even down to if you wanted to trash bins. Because if you if someone new shows up, you can just tell them, here's the code for everything based on what the code is, that tells you where everything needs to be and what its function is. So there's no institutional wisdom that's necessary, right? In terms of onboarding. Here is, a, here is your playbook and here is the codes that are necessary to be able to affect knowledge straightforwardly, right? And that could be a big, big, big deal because that could save you a lot, for example, from brewing beer. If you know where everything is supposed to be, where your malts are, if your brewer is pressed for time, they missed right a mashing, you need to go get that grain, that specialty grain as a small brewery, right? You don't have a silo to just run the auger. If you know exactly where everything is, you're not gonna spend time wasting time. Where is that second bag of crystal malt that I have to have? You know exactly where it is, you know where it has to be. You can reliably just go straight there and you know that it will be there, right? Standardizing is really critical. Then the last S typically is just sustain. Make sure it's a practice that everyone internalizes like, very, very deeply. Because the more people you have that have this mindset, the faster and the more efficiently work is conducted. And more importantly, work is accomplished not only more quickly and more efficiently, it allows you to pinpoint pain points throughout the work process and workflow so that you can, you know. 5S is not a static thing, it's a methodology. So you can constantly revise and, and optimize as you go, right? This is one of the reasons why this is such a cornerstone of, of lean, you know, methods, because it's organic and you can constantly add, subtract and, and do what you need, right? Maybe, you know, two years into your brewery, you realize I don't use this whirlpool tank for anything, right? For whatever reason, you just haven't really been using that whirlpool. Cool, why not? Let's think about that for a moment, right? Do I sell it now because I don't need it? 
cool. I can get some money back for that. Can I repurpose that for something else? Definitely. For what? Who knows? Right? If you look at your, your point of sales and you, you find that quadruple dry hopped IPA just really isn't cutting it. Okay, cool. Awesome. Let's take that data and figure out like, here's where we standardized things. This is how we standardized the production model for it. Well, if I don't need those assets, let's resort what my hop bill is going to be. Let's resort what my hop inventory is and then switch that up, flip what I need to flip or change my hop contracting, et cetera. Let's catch that early and figure that out and push those results forward. Where you have that, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I was, was going to say, say <laughs> safety, I don't even, I can't even begin to, to, to impress upon, you know, the brewers. My love language is part of it. Safety is, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's really important, right? If you have no idea where, you, you know, I, a lot of breweries, for example, for your sanitizing agent will use like peracetic acid, PAA. Uh, you might get it in the form of Burkox from, from Burko, for example, wherever you get it from, right? Or costing. More often than not to save money, we're not buying RTU, ready to use material. You're buying the concentrate and you're blending it to spec to do what you need to do. When it comes to brewery safety, this is monumental. If you don't remember or don't have a codified way to delineate, here's where the concentrate is. Here is where it needs to be stored. Here is the stuff that's safe to touch or not safe to touch, right? And you have no idea. You confuse that. The likelihood of you injuring yourself with any of the brewery chemicals. That we I don't even want to think about that. I, I've seen way too many in my time injuries certainly from you know a standpoint of, of having been a chemistry professor in a previous life i mean this is in laboratories this, this is uh, safety is one of the first things we always address repeatedly yeah we like we like our employees coming to work with 10 fingers and going home from work with 10 fingers every single day um and i it's, what about 11 what happens if you, come, <laughs> if you go back or for those yeah or right not not to not to marginalize those with six fingers on one hand or the other, but um, uh, yeah. Or if someone goes home with nine, maybe you pick up the spare and take it home with you. Either way, but um, systems are super important here from the safety standpoint. Um, it's it's OSHA can cite for a serious violation. It's now fifteen thousand six twenty five per violation, and OSHA no longer groups violations. So if an employee got injured at work. You used to, and there was the 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 standard that was violated. There was like a lack of a policy in place, and then like lack of training on the policy. You used to be able to argue and get away with maybe three three citations, but one penalty. OSHA's not doing that anymore. They've now ungrouped the citations, so you'll get fifteen six twenty five for the standard that was violated. You'll get. 15625 for not having an appropriate safety policy or program in place. And then another 15625 for not training employees on the policy or safety program or system that you didn't have in place. And now that one injury is, you know, $46,000 and change. Um, and that's just scratching the surface of what the, the, what OSHA can do when they come in. So it is Potentially for the small business owner, these are potentially catastrophic numbers. And, you know, if you're not motivated by, you know, sending all your employees home with the 10 fingers they showed up in the morning with, um, uh, be motivated by your bottom line and not wanting to write huge checks to the federal government for 
um, penalties that couldn't have been avoided with um, just making sure that you prioritize that sixth S and making safety paramount in your brewery, um, investing in an appropriate safety program and making sure everyone is trained on what that program actually means in operation. So question, does that go hand in hand with there should be safety goggles. You should be wearing long pants and long sleeves and blah, blah, blah. In terms of, I mean, Ethan, in terms of safety with brewing, what what are the, the safety pieces that you think are essential in terms of just protecting yourself? Uh, wow. I mean, if it were up to me, I would have everybody in uh, air-conditioned, you know, jumpsuits, like Tyvek suits. That would be amazing. <laughs> You can With spray paint them, custom, yellow, yeah, the, like, like the, the old Intel commercials, suit. you can spray paint them, you can play music, whatever, you can have little intercoms on the inside, it would be amazing. Everyone has an own space. But short of that, you know, obviously, um, I can't, you know, stress enough that I personally prefer, if it's always possible, um, I know that people don't necessarily like it, but I always like to have uh, pretty heavy duty, you know, well-fitted neoprene gloves, for example, or some type of chemically inert, you know, material glove. Nitrile only gets you so far, especially if you're going cheap and you're only buying like three mil thick, you know, nitrile gloves, please buy five, please buy six. You know, if you could get to 10 or eight, you know, even better. Um, do not cheap out on those things, especially with brewery caustic. Brewery caustic will eat a nitrile glove in no time at all, you know, with exposure. So buy, buy really good gloves. And if you can, especially with like, you know, neoprene ones or uh, as opposed to nitrile, you can, you can wash those, that you can rewear them. So, so, so make them long, gauntlet style, even if you have to, that would be even better if you can get gauntlet style. Same thing with footwear, right? Chemically inert, get the good stuff, right? Don't cheap out. Don't, don't just go buy some hiking boots and call it a day, right? You can buy like the old school Dunlop wellies, they serve really well, steel, you know, in fully enclosed, steel toes, fantastic. Um, we can argue, you know, all we want about whether steel toe is good or not. If you're, op if you're slinging kegs, don't want to get into that, but protect your feet. And more importantly, if you're going to have, you know, if you're going to wear you know, rubber boots, wellies, make sure that you're wearing something that can cover, right? Cover the cuff mm -hmm. of that boot. So that stuff doesn't get dumped into it. That's really important, exceptionally important. You can have, you know, really good rubber boots, chemically inert, but the second you spill something into it, then it doesn't matter anymore, right? That's horrifying. Um, yeah, safety glasses, definitely. Always wear safety glasses. And on top of that, make sure that they're safety glasses that wrap around the side, you know, impact resistant, but also cover the sides, cover the top. Make sure that they're, they're also, you know, not necessarily covered on the bottom, but you can get good safety glasses that have like a little styrofoam, you know, foam lining on the top, around the sides, on the bottom, make sure that they're shielded on the sides. Um, the vast majority, you know, for chemists in particular, the vast majority of injuries are not from chemical hitting you in the front. It's actually from the sides or hitting your forehead and dribbling down into your eyes. That's a really big problem. Make sure that that's covered, right? I'm not... I'm not saying that you have to you know, be so paranoid of everything, right? That you, you should be ideally putting on a Tyvek suit. I, I just think Tyvek suits really look cool, right? I mean, I, I, I would argue to the death, that's a hill I'll die on, that they are really freaking awesome. 
Um, but you know, overprotection is always better than forgetting and not being protected at all. I guess I, mean, I don't know why you would want to skimp on on brewery safety. It just seems I don't know mind-boggling to me. I'm sure John probably has heard all sorts of stories from from small business owners as to what the excuse was why you can't. It's my, my compliance. Compliance is expensive. People don't like spending on compliance, but fixing the problems on the back end are. 10, 50, 100 times more expensive. So, I mean, a good safety consultant who can come in and get everything get everything in place um, up front um, is, really, is really worth their weight in gold. So, John, let's take this a little further into your culture piece. How, how is the systems and accountability here with safety and with other things? How's that part of your business culture? And can owners create an ownership of daily tasks that reflects back to the success of the business at employee level? Yeah, I mean, you were uh, good business owners prioritize their people and the systems that you have in place should reflect that priority. So um, making sure people feel um, respected and listened to, um, whether that's having the, you know, the suggestion box uh, for employees to make suggestions um, or the harassment, uh, anonymous harassment reporting system, right? Making sure that employees feel um, respected and valued. So that goes to making sure they're paid correctly, making sure that they um, have ways to complain, making sure they leave with their 10 fingers. Um, it's all about making sure your employees understand that they are not just a, you know, fungible asset that uh, of the business owner that can be replaced at whim, but that they are an important, vital cog in the business. I mean, I believe that a business's employees are the business's most important assets without, you think about, you know, you know, the employees, they, you know, they, they, they brew and can your beer and they sell your beer. Great. Right. Um, think about how much lost production time you have. If you don't value your people correctly and you end up with a revolving door of employees and now you have downtime in training because you need to get people trained up so they can produce the level you want to produce to make your to make your to make your business profitable. So um, it is, it, you know, when I say that that it, an employee or a business's employees are the business's most important assets, you sell beer, but you don't do that. You don't do that without the people. And so everything you can do to keep your people happy, engaged, and employed, and having the right systems in place you know, pay complaint safety, et cetera, to make sure they understand that. And that's communicated to them and they feel that um, I think is, is invaluable for the business. Agreed. Um, Mary, back to systems and, and bringing it all together. I feel like you're kind of the central cog of the storytelling and the data. How does communication improve with systems and accountability? And can this make the business more nimble and effective in this challenging marketplace? I feel like you're 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 swinging a softball to me so I can hit a home run. That's the way the question feels to me. <laughs> well, do it, do it. I'm good. Um, when when people first start understanding their business, they separate the accounting system from the actual brewing, and a lot of times it's because they they believe it's an art and not necessarily a science. When you get to when when you're in business for real, the only way to study what's going on is if you have systems. Um, I kind of um, I get involved when 
when breweries really care about their systems. And so the more we centralize, the more they trust the system, the less rework that has to be done. For example, if you don't trust your inventory and you need to go order for the next week of brews, you're going to have to hand go out and hand count everything, figure out what you're going to brew, and then figure out what you should order. Whereas if you had a system that, whether it be on, on Excel or better yet, a computer system, it will keep track for you. Then everybody's marching to the same beat. Everybody can trust what's going on. I can't even tell you how, how much more efficient uh, breweries are when they can log into the computer and understand what's going on. That way, everybody's on the same page. Um, it's a hard thing to do. I mean, truth be told, if it's just a, a little 500 barrel brewery and you're brewing one or two, one or two times a week, Excel's probably fine, but you need something to know what you have and what you're going to do. Keeping it in your head is extremely exhausting. So no matter what size you are, I would, um, I would strongly suggest using a system and then checking that your system is in balance because humans are not perfect and they don't write down everything they they do and so it's important to check on a regular basis to make sure that you have what you think you have one funny story i have is that um, somebody recorded the receipt of a whole bunch of malt at the same time and they went to brew and it wasn't even there so it's important to have a system and check your system and make sure that you have what you think you have. So going back to checklists, I think that the checklists may help those systems happen in the human imperfections, um, like boost that. Is that a recommendation of yours? Yes. And in fact, uh, in, in the accounting world, I make sure that we close on a, on a monthly basis and that owners see financials. Because if you don't see financials, then you're, you're apt to see, uh, come up with magical thinking and want to see what or, or want to you, you think the brewery is acting a certain way, but you need to know it from a monetary perspective. So in my world, we, we live on checklists. I have one um, APAR person that does a daily checklist to make sure that she does everything that she's supposed to do every single day. And, it, and what I tell my people is to separate the thinking and the doing work. So if you have a checklist, then you know what it is you have to do. And then you can think about something else while you're doing what you're supposed to do. That makes sense. Ethan, do you well, find your world to be rotating? Oh, sorry, Nancy, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to jump in because when you started the question, one of the things you had asked was around communication and the benefits of communication with systems and data. And, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes it feels like we talk about systems and humans as if they're different things. Um, and, you know, what I've found is that the better the systems, the better the communication across the board, right? So an example might be like, let's go to the tap room. Um, the, the staff is telling the brewer, Hey, people don't like this beer. They're saying something's funny. Well, the brewer is like, Oh, two people probably said that I'm going to ignore them or whatever. But then if the data says, you know, 20% of people who ordered this beer asked for a refund. Okay. That's data. Now we're talking about solving a problem instead of arguing about what the problem is. Same thing on the brew deck, right? If your fermentation time is, is varying on the same beer. Well, if you don't know that, you're just going to keep saying this is taking longer, this is taking longer. But when you get down to it, if you've got that data, now the two different brewers can have a conversation about why do we think the fermentation time is varying. So the better the data, the more valuable the communication you can have. 
um, to solve the problems that are actually facing your establishment. So, so sticking with that theory, how, how often do you, do you see or think that, that you and Ethan and Mary, for example, would need to get together to talk about what's, what's happening in each area? Well, if everyone's, it depends. I think if everyone's looking at the same data and you all have agreed as an organization, we're all going to be looking at this data, then the conversations will almost just naturally happen right? Because you're going to see variations if everyone is in agreement on those things. If across the different um, uh, departments, you don't have that practice and people aren't looking at the data, then you should be regularly meeting and at least talking about any issues you've identified, any changes, any variations in the business. Um, You know, again, I think one of the values of having really good integrated systems is that, that that sort of I don't want to say infighting because a lot of people aren't dealing with infighting. They're just dealing with miscommunication. But a lot of those sort of misunderstandings that happen when people are looking at data their own way or looking at their piece of the data, not the full set of data or all the systems, a lot of that miscommunication can can just like go away and you can start from a closer to solution discussion point. Mm -hmm. I hope that was clear. That was a lot of words. (laughs) Yes. No, that made sense. Ethan, what's your take on, on the communication piece and the, and the, the data collection agreements? Uh, not a whole lot to add you know, to what Nancy was saying. I mean, more communication obviously is always better, uh, but from an operation standpoint, quote unquote operation standpoint, you know, uh, managing breweries, it, if you don't have data, then there's no way to talk about what the problem is. The data is what's going to give you, you know, obviously the, the ability to, to diagnose what's wrong, right? It's, it, it's, the, it's no different than differential diagnosis when you go to the doctor. I have X symptoms, you know, tell me what's wrong with me. You know, no one, no one or hopefully your doctor isn't just saying, oh, you have these three, so we're just gonna say that you have this disease as opposed to, well, you have these three, but this one other one's kind of weird, doesn't correspond with it, let's figure out, right? You know, having more data always is going to be better. As far as communication goes, then you know the only thing that I would add, I guess maybe the only thing that that I would add is that you know there needs to be right when it comes to communication, there needs to be structure in place for that as well, uh, just so that yeah you know everyone understands then that they're going into a zone where everyone is allowed to express what they think, and then they are also understanding that you need to keep everything relevant to addressing whatever piece of data that that they're addressing, right? And that it needs to be in a structured fashion. I don't, you know, just on a personal level, this is just a personal opinion. uh, uh, I will express this one. Um, I don't, I really don't appreciate, you know, managing a brewery, managing quality systems, whatever it may be. I, I don't like thinking about you know, the data that's being presented and then people saying, well, that's something that you should have been thinking about. The data is everybody's job. Everybody should be looking at that. And you shouldn't be speaking at a person with respect to the data. You should be addressing the data and asking the other person to weigh in on what that data is telling you, right? That's the only way you're going to solve that problem. And unless you have good high fidelity data, that's, it's, it's going to be really difficult. 
because unless you can trust that data, right, and you have enough of that data, then you're kind of boned because without trust between, you know, all parties involved, there, there really, there's no communication anymore. It's just a bunch of people yelling at each other, you know, monkeys throwing poop at each other. That's it. Um, well, let's segue that, John, into communication with, with staff. Um, how, how does the communication with the staff and the management, how often and how, um, what kind of approaches can you recommend in terms of systems with making sure your staff's in a good place or addressing issues that have come up or, or determining when there's something that needs to be addressed that's not just a one-off? I would say if your staff is having a problem that you don't know about, as my dog shakes again, um, you have, um, you, you failed in your communication with your team. Um, I, 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 you should be checking in with your staff. I mean, every day. I mean, the, the business owner, the manager that sits up in the office um, or sits off to the side in the office and is never out on the floor and is never talking to the staff and doesn't know what's going on is, is a business set up to fail. So, um, I mean, you can, you can put artificial guidelines around it to say, we're going to have, you know, a staff meeting, you know, once a week, we're going to have a pre-shift meeting every day. We're going to have, um, you know, meetings at this preset intervals, or we're going to have, um, you know, like in the manufacturing setting and the like big manufacturing settings, we have, people have what are called toolbox meetings where they sit down at the beginning of the shift and they talk about, their production of the day, they talk about maybe a particular safety issue um, or use those meetings for different kind of things. Um, and you can, no reason you can't kind of artificially set up those communication protocols to have those check-ins. But realistically, if there is a major problem going on that you don't know about, I think you, I think as, as management, I think you failed your team. Um, you need to, you need to be on the brewery floor, you need to be, you know, you need to be in the brew house. You need to be on the tap room floor behind the bar in the, if you serve food in the kitchen, you gotta be, have eyes and ears on everything so that you can see how people are interacting, what people are talking about, what's going on. So you can address small P problems before they become big P problems. And so I am perfectly fine with having you know, artificial, um, you know, real but artificial parameters around communication. We're going to meet daily. We're going to meet weekly. We're going to have monthly staff meetings, whatever that is. But uh, practically speaking, if you're not talking to your staff every single day, um, you failed. And if your staff is if your staff isn't comfortable coming to you with problems um you failed um you know the the best the biggest way to fail your team is for people to bring bring problems to your attention and then for you to do nothing about it or worse fire the person that brings the problem the big, that brings the problem to your attention because all you're doing then is chilling other employees from bringing other problems to you because all they all they see is um you know bill complained about a safety issue or Jane complained that a customer was treating her, you know, rudely or, you know, whatever, uh, or said something sexist to her, whatever the problem is, if you do nothing about it, they're going to, why bother complaining? Management doesn't care. If you fire the employee to complain, everyone's going to be like, oh shoot, we better not say anything or we're going to be next to lose our job. And so, you know, getting down with your people, 
eyes and ears on what's going on. And then when people bring issues to your attention, taking them seriously so that you are not chilling employees from bringing future problems to your attention. That totally makes sense. Um, I was just checking to see if we had any questions um, and I don't see any questions. Um, so that gives us an opportunity to kind of give everybody uh, kind of a, a final opportunity to contribute any wisdom stories, anything that's come to mind that you think should definitely be kind of included before we wrap up. Um, Mary, you want to lead us off? Sure. Um, I think what I'm going to do is talk a little bit about communication and KPIs. Everything that we do needs to be documented into the virtual world. Everybody needs to understand what those numbers mean and what profitability is, because I, a lot of people have a lot of fears. And if you don't understand what's going on, the fear is worse than knowing. So I would say to all the business owners out there, establish your systems, make sure they stay in balance and make sure you understand them and you'll be successful. Totally makes sense. Nancy, will you follow that up? Um, sure. I'm actually going to go a slightly different route when it comes to systems and just say, you know, I know dollars are tight right now. And I know that folks are really trying to be cautious and careful about what they're spending their money on. But when you're talking about spending money on systems that improve your business, you really need to think in terms of ROI. Um, so like, what is the return on this investment that I'm going to get right um, on the like marketing or um, front of house side, it might be, you know, I'm going to invest in a system so I can send out regular newsletters to my, my um, guests. Okay, that's probably going to cost me $100 a month or so to set up a system like that. But do I think it'll sell 20 more beers? Do I think it'll bring in 20 more guests? If you think so, then that ROI starts to weigh out. So don't always think in terms of cost when it comes to putting systems in place. Think about the whole story and what you can get in benefit and return on that investment, and then invest in your business in ways that help you grow. Good advice. John? Yeah, I mean, I can just to pick up on what Nancy was talking about. I mean, the, the ROI from a compliance standpoint to me is a no brainer because the, you know, having me or someone like me come in to get your compliance systems in place is a, you know, pick a number on the size of the business, a four-figure investment, a, a low five-figure investment. Um, for someone, you know, a, a legal consultant to come in and get all of, all of your houses in order from a compliance standpoint, um, system-wide, system, system -wide, systems-wide, you know, across various systems, to me, is a no-brainer investment when you compare that to the potential for the small business owner, potential catastrophic loss you could suffer if you are sued by an employee, if, um, you know, liquor control comes in and pull and pulls your license, right? Cause you didn't, you didn't do something you were supposed to do. Um, you know, if you lose the trademark over your, um, you know, over your, the name of your brewery or, or your, or your flagship beer, because you missed, you, you missed a registration deadline. Um, you know, if you don't have the safety programs in place, you should have in place, um, and someone goes home missing a digit, uh, the, the potential backside losses are so potentially catastrophic for the small business owner that when a small business owner doesn't want to invest in those systems up front, I mean, that's, 
there's a reason why I don't have any hair, right? I mean, that's because it's all been ripped out trying to talk to the small business owner, trying to convince them that these are investments that are worth making. Uh, to me, it makes absolutely no sense. Um, and yeah, and and I, I get it, right? Times are, you know, coming, you know, out of the pandemic. Um, times are tight for everyone. And our industry is certainly not immune to that. Um, but uh, the 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 risk that a business owner, a small business owner um, is taking by not doing things correctly to me is just it's just a risk that I don't understand why anybody wants to take. Makes sense. Ethan, bring us home. What's the last thing people need to hear? I mean, uh, from the brewery standpoint, particularly when you're just looking at production, uh, the, the biggest the biggest issue that I see in terms of a lack of scalability, you know, we, we talk about helping people level up their brewery or their business. One of the biggest things that is, is a, a big issue is just a failure to ask why. You, you, you need to ask constantly, you know, as a brewer, you asked, well, why? You, you ask yourself why all the time in, in developing certain beer recipes or why, you know, you added one ingredient versus another. How did you get one flavor versus the other? And you need to apply that same level of curiosity to, as a, as a system, right, to, to every other system that you have in, in your brewery, right? Certainly, if the FDA shows up, they're going to ask why. If the TTB shows up, they will ask a lot of whys, right? From compliance side, OSHA and safety, why, you know, all of those things. But it also touches on you know, what Nancy was saying before, you need to have data. So if it's a decision that you made, you had to ask yourself why, and that now probably is a point of data or something that you should be tracking. Right. And putting into some type of virtual or, or physical system that you can then leverage and make real honest decisions about, you know, particularly when it comes to looking at, you know, pulling the trigger on scaling a business up. Or unfortunately, if you run into situations that I've seen, unfortunately, becoming more and more common where you now have to scale down because of a failure to ask why. That's a really good fundamental place to, to wrap up. We do have some thank yous in the comments, which is always appreciated. And Enlightened Brewers, Central Coast Analytics says they have in their session tomorrow an opportunity to build on some of these topics to show specific examples about how this carries through. So that'll be kind of cool to carry us forward tomorrow. So huge thanks to Andrew, to Craft Beer Professionals, to all of our panelists today, Ethan, Nancy, Mary, John, thank you for being here, for taking the time. And um, I'll just wish everybody a great afternoon. So over and out. Thank you, Thank you everybody. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening and being an important part of our community. Please hit the subscribe button to stay on top of more sessions that can help you grow as a craft beer professional. And join us for more conversations in our community on Facebook. We appreciate you. Cheers.